When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. What's up? Ah, it's Halloween week 2021. Scary it's spooky. Coming. Woo. Scary spooky. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> As a cat wails in the background. Exactly. Scary spooky. How are Uki? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing very well. Uh, you know, last time we were talking and I kept saying that I like didn't really feel like the Halloween spirit was here. But I think it is because I've just been living in such a tiny world, you know? I'm like living here at home in this room, you know? Yes, just West, in this room. In the West Craven Library, Memorial Library, yes. you know, doing classwork or the I'm going... room was written about this room. Exactly, it was, because I've been trapped in here uh, for, for years, it seems. Um, but yeah, so because I'm like, I'm going here or I... Go to class, you know, mm-hmm. which is a couple streets away where the, yeah. you know where the school is. So it's like my whole world has been there. So I I feel like I haven't really gotten out and seen you know that everybody they, like people are celebrating. It's out there, you know. Yeah. I just had to leave. So it, it's really strange. I don't. I, I think like I was watching somebody watch like baseball last night. Oh, and I was like, oh my god! Like the crowds, like things are back. So it's it's really strange because it's like it you know are we gonna get an announcement one day that like it's over? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, can you feel the brand new day? That's that's oh, what I'm waiting for. The wind. No, that's lovely. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but still, I just I had felt like you know maybe the Halloween spirit was just not there this year, but it is. It's out there. Uh, you know, we went to Knott's Scary Farm, and how was that? Super fun. We missed you, obviously, screaming in the uh, in the mazes. Mm-hmm. But any new mazes? Yeah, they had a couple of new ones that were really uh, that were really uh, interesting. Oh my gosh, I should have pulled up the uh, my little Knott's map. Um, but yeah, you were definitely missed. Uh, it would have been fun if you'd been with us. You know, obviously. I do appreciate being missed. Uh, let's see. They had, yeah, they had a couple. They had a couple new mazes: Mesmer Sideshow of the Mind, which was sort of like a freak show. It's they took out the um, Shadowlands, the okay. like the Ringu, the, know, the grudge Asian, kind of inspired, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they took that out to replace it with this Sideshow of the Mind. So that was uh, that was fun to go through. And then they had oh, the Curse of Calico. That was another one they added. And then oh, Waxworks. That one was very cool. It was really creepy. It's where they had um, the flashlight one last year. Oh, like yeah, two yeah, years yeah. ago, whenever. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they replaced that with this Waxworks. It was very House of Wax, creepy, lots of mannequins, lots of creepy shit. So mannequins that come to life? Uh, not so much that, just uh, just scary, you know, just gross. It was gross. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It was fun, though. We had a re- yeah, we had a good time uh, going through. They had this cute show like where they do the uh, like the Charles Schultz Theater or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where Elvira had performed. They had a puppet show, oh, and I actually took video of it. I should post it because it was actually really funny. It was like six or eight puppeteers, something like that, and like a host, and they had like a wall of puppets, and so it was very it was very improv comedy, like the, the audience would call things out, and then they would use it to like build the story. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but it was kind of neat how they had it set up, because it was like they had a camera on, um, you know, like whatever, a tripod or whatever, like at the front of the stage, and then they had like a few other, like, you know, we you could see where the screens were, so the puppeteers could kind of be aware, so that they had the big screens up. Uh, for the audience, and so they were doing the puppeteering in front of the camera. 
Oh, nice. So you could watch them live on stage, obviously doing all the puppeteering and whatnot. Uh, but the uh, the screens kind of showed you, you know, what it kind of would look like if it was a show. Yeah, and that and and like that theater is huge. So yeah. like the fact that they're able to fill the space. With, I mean, it's very difficult to fill the space like that with puppets because you yeah. Know, I'm thinking about Avenue Q, but like Broadway houses are smaller in comparison. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was very that, Uh, but except like I said, they had all these screens on stage so they could kind of be aware and they, they used like the space to do some really interesting things. The stage was really cool. They had big giant googly eyes everywhere. So the whole stage kind of felt like a giant puppet in a way. That's, that's really cool. It was cute. Yeah. 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 And the, and the show itself was, was fun. It was very adult. It was like, this is an adult show. So don't bring the kids. Yeah. They cussed and talked about all kinds of you know perverted things that you would want to do with puppets i guess uh so yeah that was enjoyable i kind of wish we had went to it twice just because i think the show was probably a little different and they even rejected ideas because they're like no 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 no, we did that last night or you know we did it the last show so sorry let's you know let's do something different we want to challenge them you know which again i guess maybe could have been subterfuge kind of like we just don't want to do that but yeah but a lot of the ideas that got thrown out were very like yeah okay Obviously, like let's yeah. push it a little bit. Your you dick, know. like right, yeah, yeah, dumb shit like that. You know, some stuff I couldn't hear, and like the uh, host was like, "Ugh, I'm not gonna say that out loud. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> Dead babies, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah." So, uh, but overall, it was really fun. I recommend it. You know, we got another week left of it, uh, dear listener. If you are in the Southern California area or traveling to, uh, I highly recommend Knots, and I really, really recommend uh, shelling out the money for the fright. Uh, the fast lane, whatever mm-hmm. they call it, fright pass, fast lane. You were able to do everything you wanted. We did everything, plus we did the waxworks twice because we wanted to see it again. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. So we hit all the mazes. We don't typically ride any of the rides that like take that pass, and even that was super long. Uh, I I keep telling myself every year I'm gonna ride the Ghost Rider roller coaster because I just think it would be really fun at night, but I just don't have the patience to wait in a line. I mean, if we were the first people in the door and like jumped right in line you know, and just like killed our first like half hour doing that, uh, then fine. But I, I prefer just to go deep into, you know, we just went all the way, all the way to the back and then worked kind of our way back to the front. Mm, Got it. So we could hit all the mazes and see some of the shows and such. Yeah. Where my girls at from the front to back. Exactly. Okay. Precise. Exactly that. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So good times. Very cool. But you were missed. Uh, and of the other people that have, you know, I've went with over the years, mm-hmm. uh, I wish they had all been there too. It is fun to go with a group. So <laughs> I, I think I know the answer, but like, what was like the masking situation? Like, what was the COVID of it all? Um, I mean, it's kind of really hard to control that in the park. It was kind of a mix. You know, there were some places where I'm like, oh, and then we'll put on a mask here. Because a lot of it's outdoors. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A ton of it's outdoors. I mean, some of the mazes, I like put a mask on, uh, especially some of the really like packed ones, you know, because you're just kind of in close with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're screaming. Exactly. They're not screaming inside their hearts. They're screaming <laughs> no. out of their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think there was any... I think it was kind of like one of those things where it was like coming here, you like agree that you've been vaccinated, but there wasn't any, there's no verification. There was no showing of anything like that. Yeah. There was no like proof. It was just sort of, it's like, one of those like everybody wink, wink vaccinated individuals can have their masks off. Yeah. It was very that. So, but I also didn't think about all of like the places in the, in the park that you kind of touch that other people have like going through the mazes. Obviously there's lots of things that you, t- so like I was thinking more about that. I'm like, how many people have walked through? like I just didn't think about it you know so mm-hmm. I, again you know we're vaccinated I, I kind of have to trust like I do want to go out in the world I do want to be part of it so it oh is, I I agree you know, <laughs> I agree 100%. it's just the risk you take and and that's yeah. anytime I mean that's the thing like COVID is one thing but it's like you know we go to this every year during the Halloween season which is also like flu season colds all of that starts you know what I mean so you're yeah. touching all that stuff you're you know going through the mazes there's you know, the plastic that hangs down in front of some things you know yeah. I mean there's just a million points of contact every single day everywhere totally that, you know, you totally get up. so I don't know I just <sighs> it's just one of those things yeah I wouldn't force anybody to go, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, if people are still like, uh, we went, uh, we saw Dune the other day and, um, a friend of mine was like lamenting like, Oh, I want to see it in IMAX. I'm like, well, you should come with us. Like we'll go. And, and they were like, no, I'm not ready to be inside of the theater yet. And I'm like, Hey, that's totally awesome. That's yeah. fine. Can I, <laughs> so can I tell you that like, I have now, it surprises me a little bit that certain people is like, Oh, I haven't seen a movie yet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh that's it. Like to me, that's interesting because like, I think we've seen two, three movies yeah. so far. I mean, I definitely have seen, and it was, it was one of those things where it was like over the summer that like, that's one of my favorite things to do is to go see a film yeah. on a hot summer see day. See the blockbusters. See the blockbuster or whatever. So it's like, I, I did that, but like, I totally get like, I totally get that people wouldn't, um, like it, it it's all about comfort, personal responsibility and comfort. Yeah. And, like, for me, I think, like, it's a lot of, I think one of the things that will define the millennial experience will be that whole idea of, like, constant risk assessment, (laughs) whether (laughs) it's, like, whether it's, like, going, like, you know, immediately post 9-11, going to, like, you know, public places, like, Mm -hmm. theme park, like, I'm thinking about Debbie Downer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. um, Or, you know, um active shooter stuff or anything like that. I think like that'll be the theme of the millennial generation is like risk assessment. Yeah. Um, case in point, I went to Orlando this past week. That's um, right. You went to Florida. I went to Florida for work. Um, it was something that I, um, had agreed to for my new job, um, to go to Orlando. And so I, um, uh, I, I knew I was going to get the job. So I knew it was very possible that I was going to be able to have to go to Orlando for these, like t- for like two and a half days. And, um, and yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I felt okay. Like when I, like, that's the other thing too, is that like, I took all of the necessary precautions that I felt I needed to take. But at the same time, I'm also like actively not trying to think about it. Right. Um, to make matters worse, I stayed at a Disney world resort and, um, there were a lot of white families, uh, around everywhere, in addition to the conference and breathing stuff. on you, breathing on me. Uh, every time I, I mean, I hate to say it, but every time I see little kids, just like oh, little vectors of disease, little just running around. Thankfully, the Disney World resorts have a full masking policy indoor spaces, so they make sure that you're wearing your mask. Um, obviously, you know it's Florida, so people are eating inside, so. You know, that's one thing too, but I may have, you know, had like, you know, waffle, waffle fry nachos in my room a couple of times. <laughs> well, again, we all have to just assess, assess the risk. Yeah, you know, exactly. Assess the, assess the risk. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thankfully boosters are coming. So yeah, you know, things are coming. I just, yeah, I'm just trying to approach it. Like I approach the flu, like, I, you know, I mean, I, I know that they're different diseases and all that you know mm-hmm. thing I, I i don't you know i'm not trying to get into that conversation i was gonna say i'm like, like this that's but, a conversation that was like that's like almost two years old now. yeah yeah <laughs> so it's like i just uh you know i just want to have to trust the science you know i'm all, i already i wash my hands a lot you know so yeah. again I, I don't touch my face anymore yeah i haven't been um right and that was even before covid like i mean i'm just you know cautious yeah. of those things but in I mean, it's, you know, we go to a lot of cons, we go to lots of things. So you kind of, you know, for us, like some of these things you kind of already built in because of like, what do they call it? Like the con flu or mm-hmm. like, you know, like confluenza. Yeah. Confluenza. Like, you know, so it's just like, you know, we have to kind of be, you know, cautious of those things anyways. And we should anyways, like we're not, we are delicate creatures, y'all yeah. humans, like wash your hands, yeah. take care of yourselves, wear a mask if you want. I think like to- the only way to travel now is to wear your mask. Like, I don't think I'll ever not wear a mask when I'm traveling anymore. I mean, when I think about how, like I haven't had a cold, nothing in a couple of years. I mean, even before COVID started, it'd been a long time. Mm-hmm. So again, working at a hospital at the time, like, you know, like you're also very cognizant of that. I know. Uh, you know, so then on top of it, like then COVID comes and it's just like, wow, I haven't, I haven't had nothing. I, I kind of like having the mask and my masks are all cool. I've talked about this before. I've got like stylish, fun masks. So yeah. I'm happy wearing them out, you know, wash them up, take them back out. Yeah. Good Looking for you. cool and creepy all the time. But you know, the best part is about <laughs> traveling again. Yeah. Is I get to watch a lot of things on a plane. Oh yeah. What did so, you watch on a plane? Snakes. Um, I watched yeah, the snakes. I watched the snakes on the plane. Um, I watched the first two episodes of Chucky, the mm-hmm. series. 
Um, and I watched, <laughs> I watched, um, escape room tournament of champions, um, which I would never, ever think about doing that on this show. Uh, but because I had also seen escape room, it was like one of the last movies I saw prior to COVID, um, in a theater. Oh, okay. And so I, I remember telling you, it's like, I want to go watch a horror movie by myself. Yeah. Um, and so I did, um, which was great when there's like turbulence and in the film, it's like, it's like, you know, 4d almost like the film is rocking. And then, you know, you're, there's a little bit of turbulence and I'm like, Oh my gosh. It's but a it, whole experience. Yeah. But like, I have such anxiety about traveling already and being in the air for that long. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to watch a horror film and it helped me with my, it actually helped with my anxiety. So, well, there we go. I like that. Look at that. It's the, it's the whole thing in action. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of, have you seen the Chucky? I watched the first one, which talked a little bit about that, uh, last week, I think. Yes, that's uh, right. You know, talking about like Don Mancini, you know, continuing to, to write the series. Uh, I have to watch. So I wanted to watch it last night, uh, mm-hmm. because they have extended versions on the sci-fi app. Ooh. But the sci-fi app also has commercials and it's like oh. 500 commercials. I feel like every time it takes a break, it's like six commercials and there are like eight interruptions in 40 minutes. It's like y'all stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was annoyed by that. So I didn't watch a second one yet. So I have it on. Uh, I will probably actually watch that tonight before bed. That'll be fun. Okay. Did you enjoy the second one? Did Jennifer Tilly show up? Not in the second one. Okay. Not yet. She hasn't shown up yet. Although like I kind of think I know where she is. Yeah. Cause there's a scene, spoiler alert for, for episode one of Chucky. There's a scene where he's at the, the yard sale mm-hmm. and there's a woman who, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is very obviously Jennifer Tilly with the red leather, patent leather and all that. Yeah. 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 I think she's there cause she has to drop the doll off. Mm-hmm. I think it's her. Did, her um, uh, di- uh, I did some, <laughs> because you know, more than it's not possible for, uh, actors to have the same last name. Um, so the kid who plays, um, uh, the main kid's cousin, mm-hmm. uh, he is the son of John John Brionis, um, who was, uh, the, um, the grand chancellor in Apocalypse. Oh. Yeah. Well, how cool. Yeah. Cause I was like, huh, Brionis. I wonder if he's related to John John Brionis. Well, look and, at that. And he is the son of uh, John John Brionis. So. And and cutting his teeth on horror. Exactly. I love that it. horror in the fam. I love it. That's awesome. Also, I was like, huh, he looks Asian. He looks half Asian. And so John John Brionis, you know, married this British woman. And so that is his son. Wow. Look at that. Shout out Mabuhai Pinais. <laughs> Hollywood, uh, you know, 101. Yeah. Hollywood family tree yes <laughs> with joe one of the st- the brionis family that's great story. great job yeah. <laughs> uh what else happened this week i finished rovers it was a good book i enjoyed it i wish that there were, had been more of it overall how long did it take you i read it in a few days yeah i just could not put it down yeah, yeah you were saying i was really enjoying it so yeah over you know a few broken up over a few days a few hours a day uh, yeah, so I finished that. And, um, oh, you'll enjoy this. You'll love this story, Joe. So I picked this book up. This is called The Witch of Blackbird Pond. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is actually like a YA. Um, is that a library book? No. Oh, okay. No, it's just a nice... Uh, oh, it just the cover's nice. <laughs> it just has a nice, shiny cover here. Anyway, so in sixth grade, uh, when I was in sixth grade, that was 96. So I was 11. Mm-hmm. And we had a project where we had to pick a book and then write to the author of the book. Like mm-hmm. that was the thing where you had to read the book and then write the, the author a letter. And this was that was the year that the craft came out. So I was, of course, I was like totally witch obsessed. Uh, so I picked this book, The Witch of Blackbird Pond by Elizabeth George Spear. And I wrote her uh, publisher or whatever. I think that's how it was. Because I remember, it's so weird. Uh, like, I don't even know how this stirred, but I was like wandering around doing something and suddenly it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, remember when we did that project? And it like just reminded me of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, like our teacher had like a big giant book of, or, or like a list of like all the publishing and like how you could write. So it was like one of those things where it's like, uh, who is the publisher of that? Like hardcore um, or something. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. Uh, you know, but care of like Elizabeth Spear. Um, 
And so I wrote her the letter, told her how much I loved her book, you know, all the witchiness of it, the whole big deal. Oh, Houghton Mifflin. Houghton Mifflin. There we go. Houghton Mifflin, however mm-hmm. you say that. Uh, yeah, care of Elizabeth George Spear. And so wrote her the letter, all of that. Uh, some of us got letters back. Some people didn't. You know how that goes. So uh, I did get a letter back. Right. Exactly. So exciting. I was so thrilled. Uh, from her daughter telling me she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> and that she's sure her mother would have this appreciated. Is, where did you find this? Was this at a used bookstore? Yeah, I found it online. This is a nice copy. This it is. is it's the, great. This is... Um, so one thing I, I really remember, I hung out in the library a lot in elementary back on Guam. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out, again, you had to elementary school. And um, the what was interesting is that like our librarian, uh, Mrs. King... She was just like, it's one of those random white people that just happened to wash up on Guam somehow. And so Mrs. King um, would, when she would always put out the books that would, she would recommend her, like, you know, special picks, they were always, she taught us the difference between the different medals for books. Oh, nice. So she's like the Newberry Medal and then the Caldecott, right? So like, this is a, this is a John Newberry Medal Award winner, this yeah. book. And I'm- 1959. And I'm touching the jacket and it's like, the seal is like on there nice yeah it's a very nice copy because this, this is a really nice copy yeah i realized i didn't own it and i was like you know i haven't read that i haven't read it since i was 11 i read it i read some of it this morning the first uh 67 pages it moves fast i mean it's a kid's book basically like yeah. you know like i said i read it when i was 11 but i wanted to revisit it because i was like oh man you know i just had that whole memory and then i was like oh and then and she was dead that's right so it was just yeah i told that story to my book club this morning and they're all like um Zakia, who's been on the show before, she's on in that uh, in that book club, and she was like, "That is such a you story. Like yeah. that is that is so perfect." Uh, but never fear, dear listener, that is not what made me the freak I am today. That it, that was I was already full freak by then. So it's not yeah. the death of like you know, it's not the creepy morbid letter. You know, I mean, that, the movie The Craft inspired you to read right. a book that doesn't really look like it's about a witch. No. It's, <laughs> it's like Puritan, like, you know. Yeah. It's like about a teenage girl who grew up in Barbados. And so she comes to... But she's white. Right. She is white. <laughs> yeah. It's very colonizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It's she, that whole kind of story. Does she come back speaking Patois? Does she come back and is all like, you know, no. Like, no, because they're like English. They're like, you know, it's imperialism. It's colonialism, yes, exactly. that whole thing. So, but she, everybody in her family dies. So she has to move to America for like her aunt who like lives here. Uh-huh, like, like Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. And they're Puritans, of mm. course, kind of vibe. They're very, very Christian. And so, but she can like swim because she grew up in Barbados. So that freaks them all out. Uh, she's very mouthy and she mm-hmm. reads, she knows how to read and all these things. And they, so she's just horrifying this tiny town. So they all think because she's a she witch. Because she's a learned woman. Yeah. And then she befriends this Quaker woman who they also think is a witch. And so that's that's the witch part of it. It's actually not a, like, nobody's a witch in it. So in that book, <laughs> witch means basically like a learned woman. Right. Yeah. Just <laughs> who has opinions. Empowered women. Uh, so it's the less literal version of power, you know. <laughs> Got it. Um, it. Well, in the sense of witch powers. Anyways, that went on longer than I meant. I just thought you would enjoy the fact that, you know, of course I chose an author who was dead. My poor, like, 11-year-old self was so excited to get that letter back. Um, do you still have the letter? I was thinking, I wonder if I do. Because I have a ton of writing from that time tucked away in a box in the garage. You better check. You better check that out. I want to. I want to go dig it out. But uh, that garage is a mess. And if I draw too much attention to it, Jeffrey will insist we clean it. <laughs> so thankfully, thankfully, Jeffrey doesn't listen to this podcast. So. Right, right. No, I was out there. I was because um, I've been I've been putting out Halloween decorations and stages, you know. Mm-hmm. So I finally set up the side like graveyard that we do. I know you're. I I pulled up to your house and I was immediately assaulted. My right. Eyes. <laughs> yeah. So we. Uh, but it's been coming on pieces since you were last here. Just putting a few things up. The spiders went up. Uh, I fucking but I tucked it farther away from the door, so it's not right there. I appreciate, which I appreciate. You got the ghost woman; you can just focus on her. Yeah, I focus on the ghost. I literally had like because Eric watched the movie with us today, so um, our friend and I had him stand next to me. 
Um, so that way he could block the view. Yeah. Well, still, it's tucked away. So, and you came here during the day, so it's not all uplit with the red light. I know. When it's uplit, that's when it yeah, is. Yeah, it gets really yeah. creepy. Uh, yeah, so I put that out there. So we were, I was out there, like, working on that, and he comes out, and he's like, hmm. So he starts going, he's like, do we need this? Should we throw this away? What do we think about this? And I'm just like, we're not, that's not what we're doing right now. We're we're putting out Halloween decorations. It's like, sit the fuck down, Marie Kondo. We yeah. don't, this all brings me joy, yeah. and we're keeping it. So. Yeah, he organized the, uh, we have a closet out or like a, a shelving unit out mm-hmm. there that we store uh, cooking stuff like mm. our crock pots because we have two mm-hmm. crock pots plus we have the three dish server crock pot for yeah. parties mm-hmm. uh, bowls there's lots of like mixing bowls and you know just yeah. pans uh, things that you don't want to necessarily keep in the house but you know things that you that you know where they are when you need them yeah exactly can I just say that I like as you said that I was like that completely makes sense I don't know why I didn't think that. I don't know why I thought that everything that you've I've seen over the years that you use for cooking and and entertaining has been in your kitchen because like because yeah, no. your kitchen is very your kitchen's nice but it's not like there's not a ton of storage. Yeah, so. that's the one sucky thing. We we would like to put in more storage, but you know. Uh, this is so exciting. I'm this so is, glad. This that, is now a design podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening to this, uh, dear listener, because this, I know it's really super exciting. Uh, for the people that have been here, they're they're like, yeah, we know. Uh, we know about your kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, no, look, my lip balm's almost out. Time for you to get more. All right. Well, I think that's enough uh, tomfoolery today. So uh, on your part, I'm not, I have not been tomfooling, but you have been. <laughs> so you say uh, Alright Let's uh, take a quick break And we'll be back to uh, revisit Midsommar Meanwhile in New Jersey So Marissa What talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well Jackie Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy Ooh and representation of marginalized people Ooh ooh And even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and We horror. can point out the triangle boobs talk about the blood splatter and oh the practical effects um and also the male gaze my gaze at the males hi from feminism to fangirling the jersey ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective new episodes are uploaded every other sunday just search jersey ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app All right, welcome back. So today we are, well, we're sort of wrapping up our folk horror uh, conversation. There are other folk horror films out there that I would like us to do over time. You know, we'll throw them in every now and again. Uh, We do have our very special Halloween episode coming up. So, and that is kind of a folk horror film. So we're not totally finished, but kind of we are with the main point of the last of doing you know we did the blood on satan's claw we did the wicker man we did apostle and now we're doing midsommar which i feel like apostle and midsommar are kind of like the extensions of those first two movies and then blended in different ways you know kind of thing so midsommar is you know kind of its own so we did do this film i know dear listener you're like wait a second you fuckers you already did this you're cheating however that was just a review you know real quick review that was what that episode was. We had Ashley, right? We had Ashley on. Yes, I miss her. We miss you, Ashley, if you're listening. I hope you're listening. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure that we'll get a text because she does listen. I yes. Know, so uh, we'll, so we love you her. and miss you. And, and um, happy birthday. Uh, because by the time this comes out, um, it'll be before or after your birthday. So, you know. Well, just, there we go, Ashley. Just want to say happy birthday. birthday to you live on air. <laughs> Our final girl, she's, uh, she, you know, she's always been so, so, so uh, helpful. Our only girl a lot that's of times. True. <laughs> yeah, she is our only girl, but, you know, still, she that's why she survives. She yeah. survives this nonsense, just being around exactly. this. It doesn't kill her, so she stays alive. Anyway, so we did, we did do kind of an immediate breakdown of it when we first saw it, but this time we are doing it, one, because you now have... You know, this history, you've now seen these other films that make up folk horror. We have more of a contextualization of folk horror. Mm-hmm. And we also checked out the director's cut, five, all five million hours of it. Uh, wow. <laughs> it, that, it was long. Uh, it, yeah. And it felt long in parts. It felt long 
the first time. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it felt long the first time. Yeah. And I may or may not have taken a nap and also like gotten a Starbucks on the way over here. <laughs> <laughs> Just to prepare. Just to prepare for how long it was. Uh, well, anyway, so... Let's just kind of dive in here with our, you know, just with our thoughts. So, uh, again, directed by Ari Aster. You know, we love her. We love her work. We love everything she does. (laughs) Do we? I don't know if that's true. Uh, uh, Starring Florence Pugh, Jack uh, Rayner, William Jackson Harper. Uh, What was that guy? Will Poulter. Will Poulter, yeah. Yes. Uh, You know, so it's about this. Who is, like, like, weirdly hot. Like, I, I look at him and I'm like... You're hot, but like, are you hotter than the guy who played? Are you harder than Jack Rayner? Are you hotter than like, you know, I keep calling him, are you harder than like shitty boyfriend? What I keep calling them, shitty boyfriend and cheaty, like <laughs> from the good place, because that's who he is. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, you know, I do have a type, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, your whole sexuality is this film. Like, I feel like <laughs> you are oh. just having like palpitations the whole time. What did I tell you? I said, like, I said, yeah, those four guys, like barring the fact that they're all really shitty is probably, they're all really hot to me. So yeah. yeah. You kept just like, every time somebody new would pop up, you're like, Oh, they're hot too. Everybody's hot. Pele's hot. Yeah. They're all hot. Lots of sexiness here for, for Josephine to yes. skin all the, uh, Scandinavian skin. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Anyways, so the film, if you've not seen it, um, stop this and go watch it. Um, maybe not even the director's cut, but at least watch some form of it. Uh, if you have seen it, then you know it is about a group of Americans who go to Sweden. Uh, to learn. Yeah, ostensibly to do some research. Uh, a couple of them are working on their master's theses. PhD. Uh, PhDs, that's right. Sorry, I keep saying that because it's because I'm in master's. I was going to say, you're getting ready to do your yeah, master's thesis. I'm in like, well, no, I'm not that far yet, but I am, I'm starting all those procedures. So it's, uh, you know, so that's where my brain is. But anyway, so yeah, they're working on their doctoral theses. Theses, 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 no, theses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, poor little Danny, played by Florence Pugh, has has had a, a horrific life tragedy. Uh, her boyfriend is really shitty, uh, and her like sister, you know, killed herself and her parents. So <laughs> there's a whole lot of awful being piled on this poor young woman, poor anxious woman. Yes, very anxious woman. Uh, so of course, her boyfriend, like I said, he's kind of. Uh, well, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that because you had some interesting insights into that. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But, uh, uh, you know, he invites her along because I think he feels bad. So she goes there and, uh, you know, folk horror happens. Uh, Joe, uh, upon rewatch, what did you think? Um, well, I, I, I think when the movie started, I told you that I never thought I'd watch this movie again. Um, that's true because it was long. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's, it's always fun to watch it with people who have never seen it. Yeah. And so I think that's the only time I'm going to watch it is when I'm seeing it for the first time with an, through another person's eyes because it goes like, once it starts to go off the rails, it, it really goes there. So, um, I like gauging people's reaction to that but um ultimately still fun still good still a good film uh the the parts that i wrote that parts that were i'm like oh this must not be in the original were really interesting and i think like it added texture but ultimately the theatrical cut does a really good job of of keeping everything like pertinent yeah, I don't, I mean, there was a few segments that I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool to see that I, you know, that I don't remember from the original, the whole, the rock thing. I don't know, the, the little girl. Uh, boy. Oh, the little boy being thrown into mm-hmm. the river with the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember that from the first one. No, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I think most of the extras stuff that they added wasn't really necessary. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it didn't like clarify anything anymore. No, it just added more yeah, texture. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. it. Added the texture, you know, expanded kind of the the view, you know, the gorgeous vistas. It's a beautiful film. It's like a moving painting, uh, which I think you know. I think I'd said that when we first saw it. You know, it was very artistic, very well crafted, very well. Um, what do you call that? The uh, um, composition, like mm-hmm. lots of the frames and you know some of the still, like where they just kind of sit the camera and watch things unfold. Yeah. Uh, very beautifully composed. Yeah, you, you it add like it has this like voyeuristic quality, which yeah. I really I like because that's essentially that's what we're doing. It's like we are watching this unfold, and the camera and the way that Astor really does it is that he's very aware of our presence there. Yeah, that's a really yeah that's a really good point. The voyeurism of it all, like kind of watching. Uh, you know, and we kind of delight in that kind of stuff, like, you know, collectively, uh, you know, watching, because at the center of this film is their relationship, is uh, Christian and Danny's relationship, as it's kind of, you know, falling apart. He obviously wants to, like, break up with her, but he can't, because he, in one way, you know, at the beginning, he's just kind of indecisive, then, you know, she has this horrible tragedy happen, so, of course, then it's like, well, now's not a good time, you know, to break up. It's one of those things, you know. We bought concert tickets, to quote, uh, I think it's uh, Margaret Cho. So, can't break up yet. <laughs> and then he's like, let's go to Sweden together. Because, yeah, let's go on vacation. That'll be a great idea. You know, let's take you, mm-hmm. brittle as you are, to a whole other country. And sit with my asshole friends. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... The yeah, whole thing I, where he, oh. like, I was reminded about the whole thing where it's just like, you know, I told, I asked her to come, she's coming, but she's not going to come. She said yes, but she's not coming. Yeah, that, yeah, that's still, I'm like, what? Yeah, all of that, like, ugh, just like, dude, like, own up to either asking her to come or not asking her to come. And then a lot of like, I just decided today. I just decided today. I'm yeah. like, girl, you have the tickets, like, you... Yeah, no, he's... Not anything you just decided. Yeah, and again, I mean, he's like, well, this is kind of what we got into into, uh, talking about, because when we first saw it, and you kind of watch it, you know, those immediate feelings that we had right afterwards, like, you know, he's kind of shitty, Mm -hmm. like, but, like, is he shitty, is he so shitty that we should, like, set him on fire in a bear? Like, is that really, like, you know, is he maliciously, like, a jerk, or is he just kind of, like this typical dude bro being raised in like American culture. He's not uh, in touch obviously with like her feelings or what she's going through. He's ill-equipped. Lots of people are, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in my experience, I think a lot of people in, do their best when around a friend who's like suffered some kind of loss, but not everybody is great with it. You yeah. know, some people really do have to pull back like, ah, I can't like, that's not my, that's not my thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's always weird. Like for me, I'm someone who it's like, I, I am always, I always question my, uh, my place and my like proximity to the person right? as to whether or not they want to even hear those right. comforting words from me. So I end up like, you know, I like to make sure people are okay, but I'm also very weary of like offering it to a certain extent because I'm always I'm always weird about that. I, it, that's just my, a, a me thing more than mm-hmm. anything. Um, but yeah, like even when even but that's when, what I mean. You yeah. can kind of identify with that it, like, exactly. Yeah, I I was just know. like I don't even know. He's not equipped. Like when she's yeah. like you know wailing right before the opening credits. You know when she's wailing about the death of her family. He's just like holding her and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And the, and the expression that you see on his face is, like, an expression of, like, shock, but also shock not just because of what happened, but also shock because it's like, fuck, I can't get out now. Like, I'm, like, I don't know what, I am trapped now because I, I don't know what to do. And, yeah, yeah and all He's not very decisive. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I just thought that you had a good point earlier when we were talking about, like, yeah, the maliciousness, like, you know... It, it, is because he's not like I don't think he's trying to be a jerk. I mean, he kind he is you know just by proxy of like kind of like the friends he has who are all encouraging him to just like abandon her and move on with his life, uh, which we've seen a million times in these kinds of movies. Uh, you know, you got yours, like move on. Uh, also, it's they had it said that they 
we're celebrating their four year anniversary. Um, yeah, there's some dispute whether yeah. like it's three or four or four or five. Something yeah, like that. something like that. But still, they're young, so they've been together since they were like teenagers, most likely, like eighteen, nineteen. You know, so lots of change happened. I was in a relationship at that point in my life that ended. You know, when I was twenty three ish 22 mm-hmm. it was awful because you, you you start at 16 or 17 and you think yeah like you know this is life uh <laughs> you know so there's just there's a lot going on that feels like perfectly natural for like some of the way it doesn't i'm it doesn't excuse his behavior but just to like you know kind of contextualize a little bit that i don't think this is easily a, a film where it's like wow this is like this horribly abusive awful guy like let's burn him alive i've seen those movies and i'm happy to watch those guys burn alive this just leaves you in a weird like yeah what is, well it's you know? it's the morality of horror right right it's like absolutely where horror is like the moment you see someone who's like shitty like sometimes more often than not it's like the bullies always get theirs right? right but in this regard it's like no this guy's like uh, this guy was like playing like the long game of being really shitty like he had no he has no spine he has no backbone and yeah. so and therefore it manifests itself into like like the conversation that they have where she's like oh you're going to Sweden and she's like confronting him and and asking him very reasonable questions about everything that's going on and then he turns it around, plays right. the victim and starts gaslighting her. Yeah. And she just immediately goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cause he knows, cause he also knows, which is the, the, again, the, the really shitty part of it is that he also knows that he cannot, um, that she needs him as well. And so it, it kind of turning it in that way absolves him to a certain extent of his like shitty thoughts. Because, of course. Yeah. But like, again, it's, it's, yeah, he's justifying, he's justifying it. But like we said, it's like, we don't, uh, it's, it's difficult to see if this is like, is he being like actively malicious and even cognizant that that's what he's doing? Or is this literally how he does it? Cause he doesn't know any other way. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he, I don't think he's, um, I don't think he's adept enough to like, to actually like know that I think it's just being that like off being a man, uh, you know, a cis het white male <laughs> in cis het white male patriarchy and dealing <laughs> with that kind of um, dealing with and being the person who's dealing with those kind of dynamics. Right. Yeah. 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 He's just not as evolved or as like, you know, mature. I feel uh, again. I mean, he's, trying to work on like this doctoral level work and he hasn't even decided on a thesis thesis until he decides like while he's there like this is going to be my thesis which his friend is already doing mm-hmm. uh, which they set which I didn't pick so this is one thing that I didn't pick up mm-hmm. before is that she asked him or asked uh, Josh or Yosh <laughs> as Yosh, the, as right the, as they say as the Swedish say uh, you know why he's interested or whatever and he says that and then she looks at christian danny looks at christian is like hey isn't that like isn't that what you're also thinking about too and christian's like yeah i don't know whatever yeah and so he has again he is he his ultimate downfall is the fact that he has no spine he has no backbone yeah he's just lacking uh yeah, decision conviction. making, conviction. Yeah, yeah. Which again, kind of makes him the perfect sort of sacrificial thing because it's like, well, what are you adding to the world? What are you know? I mean, like, we'll give you purpose. The only thing you have no purpose, yeah. like until you come here. Yeah, and, and the only purpose him. he has is his flesh. Like, yeah, that well, and helping with because I'm assuming that the girl, their whole the whole sex ritual that happens, uh, she will have a baby mm-hmm. that will help flesh their bloodline out a little bit because they have you know they have so much inbreeding within there Mm -hmm. or they have the possibility of a lot of inbreeding i know there's a whole conversation that the elders are careful and yeah uh they only want they purposely inbreed for the oracle but Mm -hmm. you know which actually now that i'm thinking about it i think because they talk about pele's like unclouded judgment like is he part of that too he just is not like you know what i mean like right at the end oh he's like you'll be rewarded for your unclouded foresight or yeah something something like that i don't think so yeah that was i now that i was thinking i was just saying about that now where i was like wait they said that about him too because i was thinking about the more like obviously um physically uh the physical um what's his name uh robin uh, yeah robin and his like clear physical like abnormalities 
Pele doesn't have that, but they share some sort of vision, mm-hmm. I guess, because, but maybe they just mean that he, not only did he bring outsiders, but he brought the queen. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, may, really Pele's the villain here. He's like the real bad guy. Like he's there trying to make Danny feel like, you know, all oh, your parents, all oh, my parents, well, blah, blah, blah. So, okay. Can we get into that for a minute? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think for sure, for sure, a hundred percent, Christian is the bad guy. Yeah. But he gets, cause he gets his in the end. Pele is there like, in essence to give Danny like a community and right. give her family. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I guess it depends on, yeah, how you look. Yeah. Because I mean, he takes all the others to ruin like on purpose. Like he knows what he's doing. He's bringing them there for a specific. Yeah. Like he, I think that if, if he didn't think that they, that was the right group, he wouldn't have friended them. He probably tried other people first. He probably yeah. was looking for a group. Mm-hmm. You know that was sort of perfect. You know, for strangers to bring into this uh, yeah. situation, which is why he's so welcoming, and he wants to make sure Danny feels comfortable and does come. Mm-hmm. Because if she doesn't come, like then, so we we may have talked about this a little bit. But do you think Pele was had Pele was responsible for his for her for her family's death? No, I think that was definitely just the sister. You know, I, I mean, I, that would take like more of a supernatural. You mean you think that he went to the house, faked the whole thing, or like uh, because like he? Uh, it's interesting because it's like we they we know that they're planning. They have been planning since that moment, right? To, to go to Sweden in June, um, and but at the same time, it's like. Uh, I, because part of me always kind of thought that maybe he was the one responsible because it was his planning and forethought to kind of engineer the whole thing to get her to a place where she needed to be built back up again. I don't know. I mean, I definitely think he comes in purposely like stoking those feelings of community within her. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not Christian doesn't hold you up. Like, you know, you don't have that kind of community. Your family's gone, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know. No, I I really think that that's because that was something that was going on a long time. Remember that like she talks about how like, Oh, I've been dealing with this with my sister for years. Like that would take, that would take something else besides Mm -hmm. like just like going there and like talking the sister into suicide. I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. I just think it's sort of like, it just, he's taking advantage of the situation. It's mm-hmm. perfect, you know? Again, I mean, maybe that's the thing, too. I mean, they're obvi- they're talking about gods and goddesses and the cyclical nature of things and fate and, you know, controlling our destinies and this whole thing that it's like it all kind of perfectly aligns. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe it's supposed to happen regardless. And, it, and it's just, like, it's evidence of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's more of that than... Than, than, than that he engineered sort of. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like this. I, I enjoy Midsommar. I don't know like how it's definitely not something you can watch on a, like a regular basis or no, anything. No, absolutely not. But I do enjoy that. I feel like it takes the best elements of all the different, like kind of like I was saying with the films that we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, there's from like blood and Satan's claw, that sort of like the, and, and the wicker man, this sort of, you know, sense of, well, like the sexuality, all of that, that's very much presence, this kind of freedom of like, you know, sex and bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wigger Man, obviously, it's pulling from like that joy, like all those people are ecstatic, all these people are so joyful and welcoming and they're just happy to see these people because they know it's all, yeah, everything is, everything is falling into place. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of, sort of deal. Uh, so, it, and it goes in that kind of that, that route where everything's kind of bright in the day, very happy, very cheerful, not like Apostle, which in that we saw was kind of a lot more darker. Yeah. Um, Apostle was like this, like really, it was kind of like the witch, right? It was like, it was very, it's that gritty, like the struggle of, of humans against nature. Yeah. Well, that's, I like, uh, so from this book, uh, a walk in a darker wood an anthology of full core, which I brought up in the first uh, episode of this uh, series. I like this. The most horrifying aspect of folk horror is the folk. Uh, 
Uh, people being people, zealous and unafraid, sure of their authority over all they survey, who lead others to either demise or crisis. These are people who disregard the rules of nature and of those who live with it and instead choose to conquer it, destroy, or live with it in a way that is out of sync with its desires and needs. Uh, this, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of talking about a few different things, but then in the, it does bring about a uh, conversation about the witch as a clear and direct warning, a reminder of what nature can and will do. It reminds us of why uh, many are afraid of the natural world, unbound but so too why many are willingly drawn into that wild, uh, wildness, a place close to a home and cathedral than any square building, no matter how well adorned, could ever be. If hell is, after all, other people, well, we've probably always known that in one form or another. <laughs> so, um, And that kind of applies in this situation because these people are zealots. Obviously, you know, they are like really into their faith and their connectedness. They've built, you know, I, I assume hundreds of years of rituals and you know sacred practices uh they have ritual suicide that's all i mean that right there that's probably when i would have been like we really should leave um i mean again i don't judge that i think that that's i think that's one of the parts of the film that is in, important to, to talk about and to 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 be curious about uh, you know that the space for that kind of choice in death uh, <laughs> you know, whether, I mean, not in the context of a cult, but in assisted euthanasia in like, when, like how, when, when should we have the decision and the power to leave this earthly realm? Should yeah, we, should yeah, we really yeah. truly want to not because of like depression or not because of other things, but just like their whole thing about dignity and getting old and the, the whole thing and 72, it's the whole, the completion, all of that. I think there's interesting things to discuss there, but that, that's definitely probably the part of the film that I'd have been like, yeah, maybe we should, uh, get out of here. Cause this, this, this is not, if this is the beginning, this isn't going anywhere good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there is definitely that, even though, again, we always talk about like wanting to live in Sweden, but then you see this and you're like, well, maybe not Northern Sweden. We want to stay in the South. (laughs) Maybe like an urban center, not necessarily in rural, rural countryside. (laughs) Uh, or maybe we just want to go start our own cult there. Joe, why not? (sighs) You can, you can, you can do that. You're more suited for cult leader life. I appreciate that. Yeah. I have longer hair. You know, it's just one of those yes, things. Yes, true. You got to have that. You would look better in that, like, you know, the whatever her name is, Cloris Leachman's, like, you know, <laughs> her, her like, garb with the... Oh, yes, yeah, her red, with, you know. Her, her, like... Her red hat. Her red hat, yeah. Her <laughs> Nefertiti hat, like... I do want... I, I would change all the colors to black, of course. I of like Black with the red mm-hmm. stitching. Don't you think that'd be nice? Or that blue, that really bright blue over mm-hmm. a black, like, you know fabric that would be beautiful so that's all got to change um but (laughs) there's too much sunlight in this uh, in this film we got it we got to move somewhere else we got to go back over to like summer isle or like you know somewhere in england where it's kind of dark and creepy you also would like have better like your songs would be a little funkier and there'd be you know the chanting would have more of a beat maybe i mean you never know and your cult would have people of color in it this is true. I would de- yeah. I would try to have much more of a diversity amongst my cult. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Uh, cult diversity. Let's... <laughs> a TED Talk coming soon from me. Yeah, that's the name you. of this episode is Cult Diversity. <laughs> oh, that's going to confuse people because they'll be like, but there's no diversity in this film. Hardly. Uh, hardly. Yeah, and poor Josh, he gets he gets clobbered right over the head. I know, right? poor that that London couple, like they went first. I know that's yeah, that whole sequence with like the Blood Angel or Blood Eagle. Uh, mm-hmm. What's his name again? That character, Simon. Simon, yeah. Ugh, gosh, and his lungs are like inflating and deflating. I feel like that's that's also a big part of the like the director's cut. I feel like they hung out on those sorts of images for a while. Like, let's crush that guy's skull. Like fifty times. Let's like barbecue them. Yeah, on the eternal flame. Yeah, that felt. That's that's of course that's like very director's cut though. That's like right on, on the on the level there. Uh, Joe, what did you think overall of like folk horror? What do you think of this with this brand, this genre? Genre. I think that it's. I, I think it's very 
of all of like the different genres that we've seen. Um, I, I keep hearing Alex Trebek say it. This yeah. genre, genre. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, of all of these types, is of Alex little, with us now? Uh, yeah, yes, What's Alex, happening? are you there? Um, of all of those types of uh, these types of um, uh, genres, categories, subcategories of horror, I think this one's the most consistent in terms of like what it is that we're fighting for or against, or you know, in terms of motifs in terms of uh, setting even like it's a very consistent in its um, in what it's trying to say. I think that we, unless, unless there's a film that already exists um, that we, I just haven't seen. Um, I think that like the future of this genre is going to be very interesting because mm-hmm. I want them to like very meaningfully address like colonialism Mm. and like the horror of that power, but like from specifically a like lens from like a people of color. Oh, okay. I see. Because I know that that's like one of the, you know, with those three, like the, the foundational three films of folk horror. And, you know, you mentioned this in the first episode that like it's white people like fearing other white people. Right, yeah, that was one of those sorts of interpretations, like Euro Europeans against Europeans. Yeah, I feel like there needs to be something where we see it from this other lens. Yeah, um, well, and I mean, it's still part of that conversation, but you're right; it's not like fully present in that in that same way uh, mm-hmm. of like you know, like well, watching this. Obviously, this isn't necessary. Like, I don't think of Midsommar as like a. Uh, this isn't as much a colonial tale as like the Wicker Man clearly is mm-hmm. uh, with like the Christian man coming in and spitting all over all of their traditions and things like that. But again, these are not like indigenous, like it's not this, it's not like an American conversation. Again, yeah. these stories exist and I, I think we're going to be seeing more of those come out. Uh, I know there are authors that have written on this, especially native American indigenous um, authors have written books and such that I'm sure there are, movies and things out there we haven't seen every movie ever uh so maybe we'll continue to look for those you know what i was kind of thinking about just Mm. now um fear street 1666 yeah where like that's very much a folk horror conversation yeah and the way that they kind of turn it up is that you know they it's like a it's like a a premonition like it's a it's a reliving kind of situation and so you're incorporating actors who are of color in in there right but it um it's folk horror in the sense of like you know there's it's uh it's not it's like people who have like the higher truth and like the mischief and all of that right stuff. and that's the one thing that i love about the genre is that it's it when you have people who like it seems that the characters who live in the little community are either like rejecting something or that, the, you know, the people that are rejecting something or they haven't fully embraced the kind of freedom of it. Right. So with blood on Satan's claw, you have like, you know, folks engaging in like this, the rituals, ritual sex. I mean, oh, it's right, a rape right. scene, but like yeah. ritual sex. Right. Um, Wicker Man is the same thing with like the folks that are just like, you know, having sex in the graveyard mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And, um, uh, Lieutenant, right. Is it Lieutenant Sergeant, whatever. Oh, Howie. Howie yeah. yeah. Howie is just like, no, absolutely not. Like rejecting. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely not. not. None of that. And then you have in apostle, <laughs> you know, he, he has rejected his God. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas has rejected his God, right? But or his original faith, but then ends up, you know, being saved by another faith when right. he accepts. And so it's interesting because it's like the these the genre is like really interesting. Is really good about like um, revealing to people like you know there are other ways of thinking, right? And if you don't embrace it or whatever, like and you know to kind of bring it all home with Midsommar, um Pela is like, you know, this is our way. This is, 
this is their way. This is these people. What does that woman say? Like, you know, Cloris Leachman. She's like, these people, they're happy to die. Right. They're giving themselves back to our community. Yeah, yeah. And they have control. Yeah. And then, like, all of the instances where, like, the community feels the pain yeah. of their of their people as well, too. Like, it's just so, it's really fascinating. So, overall, I, I, again, I was very surprised that I was going to like any even one of these films that we mm-hmm. were doing i mean midsummer i already knew i liked i was very surprised by how much i enjoyed the this unit as a whole yeah and um i'm uh definitely gonna put it up there as like you know something that people should uh go out and consume yeah i i think so i think there's a there's a lot to interrogate in these stories and to wonder about colonialism wonder about like the natural world wonder about um what we think we know mm-hmm. uh what we think we can control what we think we have Faith. power over yeah, yeah. i think yeah. i said in the in our first midsummer episode that the what i thought at the time what i felt like you know in that first watching of it was that this is basically the human cruelty that comes from the power of belief like these people need to fulfill their set, their tradition and ergo this is how they fulfill it is right. with this ritual sacrifice and in some ways everyone you know everyone is everyone commits a, a sort of violence against another person in yeah. order to fulfill their belief yeah absolutely that's a uh that's a good uh, way to wrap it up. Yeah, how do we, how do we avoid that at all? It is very, very difficult in the world that we inhabit. Yeah, uh, especially because like people are, they're really insular, right? So like yeah. every folk horror thing, it's like it's, it's a very insular, isolated community that's there to protect just that community. Right. And then when you bring in outsiders, it, the outsiders have to serve some sort of purpose, right? Or they must be rejected if they can't be brought into the fold. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So really with like folk horror, you're getting these deep uh, tribal feelings that are echo throughout human history. Like, you know. Yeah. And and seeing them kind of play out in, uh, in frightening ways. From supposed enlightened <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yay. Well, I'm glad that you uh, enjoyed it overall. Uh, it was fun to revisit. Uh, it was fun to watch with our friend because he was very like, <laughs> at times. <laughs> It's uh yeah, it's it's a weird watch. Uh alrighty, well, uh we will be back on Halloween. We're gonna have a special Halloween episode, uh also celebrating our five year anniversary. So if you're listening to this and you have any uh any thoughts on the first five years of Fright School, please any do, memories, yeah. Please do send them along. Uh absolutely. And um yeah, I also might have a very special treat uh, for, you know, one lucky listener. We'll see, maybe. But you'll find out more about that uh, on the Halloween episode. Oh, the suspense. Yes, the suspense. So make sure you listen. All righty. All right. Good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.